Well, hello, everybody. Welcome to this episode of What's Next. I'm your host, Tiffany Bova, and I have the pleasure of welcoming Alan Adamson to the show today. He is a noted expert in all disciplines of branding. For the past several years, he's been an adjunct professor at New York University Stern School of Business, where he also serves as the brand expert in residence at Berkeley Center for Entrepreneurship. His previous books, including Brand Simple and most recently Shift Ahead, are used as textbooks in higher education business programs nationwide. His latest book, Seeing the How, spotlights companies that have radically changed work and life as usual by identifying and reimagining a whole new way to provide an overall better customer experience. That's what we're going to talk about today. So welcome to the show, Alan. Thanks for inviting me. Thanks for that lovely introduction. And we should probably quit here because it may go downhill after that introduction, but let's see. I'm going to use that line. <laughs> like after someone introduces me, I'm always like, okay, now don't suck. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> all right. So we're going to start off with something I call bullish and bearish. Bullish, you're for it. Bearish, you're against it. Three easy questions. Are you ready? I'm ready. Do I have a buzzer or no buzzer? No buzzer. Okay. Just bullish or bearish. <laughs> okay. All right. The first one. AI marketers, bullish or bearish? Bearish. Okay. The metaverse, and not the company, but just the concept, bullish or bearish? Bullish. Okay. Skydiving, bullish or bearish? Bullish. Oh, have you ever skydived? Uh, my kids have. I haven't. Yeah, me either. You know, friends have, I haven't, I feel like. But people are looking for those experiences to post online. This is, oh my God. You know, he, he was, you know, he was in Mission Impossible. He jumped right off that mountain when the chute opened up. <laughs> yep. Yep. Yeah. Not for me. I, I like to vicariously be a thrill seeker through others, you know, yep. let like, them, like let them carry the GoPro. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> I agree. I agree. Well, I was super excited to have this conversation with you and for anybody listening who knows anything about my work, you know, anything talking about customer experience or as you term it, experience innovation, which I love that title or, or that concept or that sort of moniker, if you will. You know, you, you really urge marketers to approach their mission of winning customers with a fresh pair of eyes. And, and while, and I put that fresh pair of eyes in, in air quotes, um, while sounding so simple, right? Having a beginner's mind after being a marketer for a period of time when you're stuck in a little bit of an expert's mind, right? It's hard to get that fresh perspective. Maybe you can just walk us into why did you think it was time, you know, in 2023 to write a book, seeing the how about this topic, which many might argue has been one we've been talking about for some time. There had to be something that triggered you to say, nope, we need to, we need to talk about having a fresh set of eyes again. You know, it's been around for a while, but people are a little bit like they're in Marty Crane's chair. They're very comfortable with yesterday. They're not comfortable with tomorrow. So it's hard for people to change. And I think, you know, when I was uh, spending time at NYU with lots of entrepreneurial students, and I saw the number of new businesses that didn't involve a better mousetrap, a better algorithm, <laughs> a sharper product design, and realized that lots of them were solving problems using relatively off-the-shelf technology, but just imagining solutions to problems that, gee, that's a cool idea. Why hasn't no one ever thought of that? And so, you know, I grew up in a world where somebody in engineering or somebody in a lab would come to me and say, here's a product. It's a better mousetrap. It's great. 
And my job was to figure out who to market it to and how to position it. And it lasted a while because back in the good old days, <laughs> a competitive advantage lasted a couple of years. Now, the minute you introduce it, you're typically obsolete. And if you're only relying on classic product differentiation, you're becoming more of a dinosaur every day. So it was that experience that said, while people have talked about this and the pandemic, the pandemic did a sea change in, in how people did many, many things. You know, if I told a client, I don't want to come down and see you anymore, I'm going to do a Zoom call with you, or I'm going to pitch you, but I don't want to fly to LA, forget it. But, you know, there's so many things changed, and we realized that we didn't have to do certain things. We were just stuck in, in the habit of it. And marketers need to get out of the habit of saying, this is the way we always sold cereals or cell phones or anything. Yeah, and I, I think the explosion of channels, if you will, by which marketers have to now leverage, right? It might have been in the quote unquote good old days, right? I did a mailer or right. I did a yellow page ad for any of you who remember there was used to be this thing called a phone book, you know, or might have been a direct mail piece or something like that, right? It, yeah. it, you know, that's sort of very one-to-one. -one. Yep. Um, and you could scale it if you could afford it, right? Like, it, and then the internet showed up and it was like, well, hold on, you know, now do I do the yellow pages? Do I do a direct mailer or do I do this thing called the World Wide Web? And it was kind of an or question. And then they realized it was more of an and statement, right? Like, right. and now it's like, am I threads, Instagram, you know, TikTok, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And that creates another problem because people keep on adding to the pile. And it turns out, like many things, if you're only averaging each of those, if you're an okay on social media, you're okay advertising, you're okay direct consumer, you're okay digitally, if you're okay at many things, you're also invisible because you'll take the peanut butter approach, you'll spend 10 cents on each thing, and you can feel like you've checked all the boxes, but you're losing. And so ultimately, you have to get back to the, the core problem is that there are many ways to get, you know, to talk to somebody. No one does one thing at once anymore. You're always multitasking. And in that world where attention is a scarce commodity, you better be ready to open on Broadway in your first 12 seconds, or you'll never see the next 12 seconds. Well said. I love that quote. So with that, you know, people who are listening, and, and I'd love your opinion on this, they may or may not be marketers, I believe, sort of in, in so many ways. Everybody needs to be a marketer, kind of like everybody needs to be in sales. You know, it doesn't mm -hmm. matter if you're at the receptionist or you're, you know, cleaning the room at a, at a hotel, like that's part of the experience that a customer may have. If they are marketers and they go, okay, I'm interested I'm interested, Alan. Okay, you got me. You got me, right? I want to know sort of what's that first step of reimagining, you know, experience innovation. And I know you have these sort of eight lenses, and I don't wish we had enough time to go through all eight. But if there were, you know, one or two that you think would be most relevant for people to get started on this journey, especially those who think what they're doing now will work into the future, that we want them to have that new lens. Yes. So step one is to for marketers to really look at themselves and say, my title may be marketing or my title may be sales. But if I'm really paying attention to the customers and my real skill is watching customers and seeing how they live and seeing how our product or service fits in their life, I need to think of my job as the chief innovation officer. <laughs> I need to figure out how I can make my company more relevant, better, not just take what somebody else has done and say, now go find Tiffany and explain to her why we've got a better platform for tracking customer experience and customer journey. So step one is to, while you may have the marketing role, the advantage the marketing role gives you should be 
that you are able to see what customers are going through, observe. Because if you ask a customer, are you happy with your whatever product? They'll say, yeah, because they're used to it. Customers, I know this is a famous Steve Jobs thing, they can't see around the corner. They can barely see with high beams. So if you really want to be successful as a business, make sure you're employing your sales force to see with fresh eyes, to look at those customers and say, you ever wonder, a little bit of Jerry Seinfeld, you ever wonder why people think they need to go to the grocery store every week to buy the same stuff? <laughs> you know, you have to look at it like an eight-year-old. That's step one. And then there are other lenses we can jump to. But if you are not thinking of your role as more as the eyes and ears of the company, I remember when I started my first job way back when I went through all the interviews and I met the CEO and I was all set for a technical question, you know, market segmentation, research. I, you know, I thought they were going to ask me something about how you do marketing. And he looked at me and said, so tell me about the last movie you went to, the last book you read and the last museum you went to. And what did you learn? I was totally, you know, thrown from left field. Afterwards, I asked him, I said, look, our clients are in conference rooms all the time. They're looking at research reports. They're on a screen. We need to be our clients' eyes and ears to help them see what's happening in the real world, to help them identify problems before someone else solves them. So I think before we even get to the lenses, you have to clean your glasses and be ready to see and realize it's your job in any function to see the customer and say, gee, they're not asking for this, but I wonder when they're flying if we did something else instead of giving them the pretzels and the, you know, the, you know, the stale coffee, would it make it a better experience? There's a huge assumption in there, an asterisk, I guess, is it's tough for managers, leaders, larger the organization to actually get out of the four walls. Right. And go do this, right? Because they'll live through research and spreadsheets. Research and summaries, a little thing. Yeah. We've spoke to 40 consumers and they all are reasonably happy with your reasonably yep. effective product. Yep. Check, check, check. Okay. I did my job today, right? Yeah, exactly. And so when I used to be in a room of, of marketers, call myself a, a recovering seller, I had to right. learn how to market, you know, the, the right. old adage of what does marketing do? And then marketing says, what do salespeople do? Like that whole battle I used to have to have with myself because I ran both, but I would ask a room of marketers, when was the last time they went on a sales call to actually see their, you know, slick brochure in action or the PowerPoint they've spent tens of thousands or hundreds of thousands of dollars they developing. They never get past slide six anyway. Or one, <laughs> yeah, or yeah. one, right? Where right. the customer goes, I don't want to see a deck, you know, right. and you don't need to leave those materials or, right. you know what I mean? And I don't want marketers to go and say, I'm a marketer and I just want to see what you think of all our stuff. Like right. I literally want the marketer to go into that sales call and say, I'm right. a new hire salesperson right. and I'm just shadowing this salesperson. So you can see what it's like, you know, in the right. wild, right? right? Like to get out of your office. Would you agree with that? Definitely get out of your offices and to some extent, try to go in with a skeptical eye. Gee, this is what they're doing. I wonder if we could change that behavior. I wonder if we if we offered a solution they're not even thinking, because they're also creatures of habits. And then somebody will say, here's a better way to, to do this. And you need to be changing or you're left behind. You need to be the first to come up with it, because if you're the third person to do it, you know, the game over. Well, Beyond that, though, if you if you take that example I gave, so the marketer going, look, you need to be asking that sort of or curious around the what will they, how could we make this better? Mm -hmm. um, I don't want the this to be the PowerPoint slide or the brochure. Exactly. Right. But yeah. but that may be the KPI, right? That might be the metric. That might be what they're measured and managed on. And so that's right. where the behavior leans versus sort of what you're talking about. Exactly. 
And so it's, of course, easier said than done. But first step is to realize that I can make a difference because I'm on the front line. And the people in finance or operations are inside looking at spreadsheets, but I'm out, you know, going through the warehouse with the customer or going, seeing the product and finding out they can't read the instructions or realizing that, you know, what seemed easier when we did the, uh, you know, tech brief is not that easy. Or when you call our customer service line, you get, you know, a 15 point phone tree that by the time somebody, you know, makes it to point three, dog barks and they have to start over again. Or they're screaming, agent, 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 right, like I right. do, you know, or yeah. that, or that. Exactly. All right. So, so we first one is sort of, you know, understand, right? That first clean the glasses, understand. And, and, yeah. And then the, the, the next lens I'll talk about is everyone talks, you talk to any company, oh, we're very customer centric. We always, you know, we do a lot of research, you know, we are, and it reminded me of the story. I worked for a big pizza chain and that we looked at the research and they said, people are happy with your research. Look, if you like our, they go back, they like our pizza. You know, the, the, it's usually served well and they like the taste. And I said, well, what do you ask them? I, you ask them how happy you are, somewhat happy, very happy. I said, well, let's ask them a different question. You know, if you went out of business, what would they do? And they asked that question, of course. And everyone said, oh, I just go across the street to Papa John's. So there was, even though they were saying the product was good, you know, it was the expected answer. There was really nothing they were... When people say, where do you get your pizza? They wouldn't say, oh, you have to go to this place because, you know, there was nothing special about it. And in the world we live in today, you know, average is over, as Tom Friedman, the New York Times columnist, talks about. And never is it more so than on the one elephant in the room, which is while all your marketing tools are important, word of mouth and word of eye, meaning a picture or an idea, still matters. But no one's going to share ordinary. So unless you find a way to make the pizza something that you can't wait to tell your friends when you're going out for dinner, so you, you know, I had a great experience. Let me tell you what they did. If you can't get to that wow, you know, you're invisible. Yeah. And, and I think, you know, you say it so well, it's not about what people buy. It's, it's what they do, right? It's, yeah. it's, and, and so no one that- shares. Yeah. No one shares. I just bought this new toothpaste and my teeth are 12% whiter. You know, <laughs> they're going to share, they're going to share, look, you know, I, I met this great person and it's because, you know, they're, they're going to tell you what experience they had that maybe this enabled. No one's, no one wants to be a product pitch person or service. You should use this service or that service. Absolutely. So, you know, a lot of times when I, I have guests on the podcast, we we talk as if everyone has lots of resources, right? A marketing department and, you know, a CMO or a chief customer officer or, you know, the innovation or a seat at the table. The, these sort of comments that are tend to be a little more enterprise focused. Let, let me pull down a little bit and say, okay, what if this is a smaller medium business where you know, the founder, the owner, it's a small executive team and they've got like the best products, right? They believe they have the best products, but nobody knows about it, right? And they may not be able to compete against these big brands from a spend perspective, but what you've just outlined could be where they could win competitively, right? By being just better at the, what people do and do that better with a better experience. Right. And, and look at those, I've seen this, you know, everyone's got their customer journey and their 25 touch points. And the same applies there. Try to focus in and drill down. While you can be okay at 25 touch points, figure out the three touch points you're going to kick button where you can deliver hands down, you know, so making the reservation is easy and, you know, keeping it is harder. You know, figure out the touch points where you have the executional skill to, to wow people. 
And that usually means narrowing your focus, not just saying, oh, we do it all well. You know, when you go to a consultant <laughs> or anyone says, oh, we're great at everything, forget it. But if you say, look, you know, if you want to do this, we are the best at this. That's one, one lens, which is focus and find out where you can be extraordinary and start with those. Don't bring everything up to a C minus average or a C average or a B average again. Uh, same principle. And so that's one of the lenses, right? Focus in and, and then drill, drill down, right? Right. Yep. Um, and the next lens is customize and make it personal, which I think is another place where regardless of size, you could accomplish this. Right. And that's, you know, of course, there's lots of big data. You know, of course, big data, finding out how that is relevant to Tiffany when I talk to her is, you know, part of that is also realizing that's a constantly raising bar. So if you thought you were tailored and customized last year, now, when you call up an airline, everyone says, Tiffany, welcome back. I see you just went to Cleveland. Did you have a good, you know, anyone could do that. What's the next level of personalization that's going to matter to you? And how do you deliver that before it becomes table stakes? And it's not all tech. It's not, you know, but part of it is, again, if I can personalize this, what would matter? Yeah. And I, and I think that that hyper-personalization, I think sometimes can be overwhelming for companies. Like they feel yeah. like, you know, dear valued customer, dear Tiffany Bova, dear Tiffany is yeah. personalization, as you just said, right? Like yeah. you just flew to Cleveland, right. might've been personalization a decade ago. Now it's sort of table stakes and we've moved yeah. on, right? It's like, right. well, not only, you know, if we really want to play this out, right? Not only are you going to Cleveland, but I see every July you go to Boston, right? right. Or every July you and go to- And we have a special thing in Boston where you can actually go watch the Red Sox. We're going to put you in the seat. It's something that goes, oh my gosh. It, you, know, it, you know, and it used to be something you focused on for your best customers. I just, a friend of mine uh, recently posted online, of course he shared it, when he became a, a million miler for Delta. And they always got the little pin and the, you know, the better luggage tags and maybe, but he showed that he got three letters, <laughs> one from the pilot, handwritten letters. Thank you for being such a loyal customer. Some other surprise, as you just mentioned. <laughs> yeah. So it was no longer a, you know, an automated text which pops up. Congratulations, you've hit level C. Yeah. And I think that customer centricity, where you started this, like where customers said, does not mean you need to treat every customer that way, right? right. It's you finding those pockets of customers, and then how can you bring as much personalization, if you if you will, and surprise, and, and surprise, and delight, and all right. of the things we right. talk about. Easier said than done, and part of that is picking your battles very carefully. You know which customer and what touch point can I beat the competition? All right, the next lens is joining forces. Every company can solve a piece of somebody's problem, but sometimes you know not doing you know buy one get one free. But it, joining a force with some other company to put together a totally new offer. And one of my favorite stories on this is many years ago, this small cruise line called Lindblad Travel realized that you know people wanted experiences, not just to cruise and drink the pina colada. And they hooked up with National Geographic. And what they did was no one reads that magazine. No one even watches a TV show. But said, how can we bring a National Geographic experience to exploration when you go to the Galapagos or Alaska? And so they put photographers on the boat to help you take that stunning picture of the whale breaching, whether using an iPhone or a real camera, quote unquote, real camera, although the iPhone's probably going to be better. Uh, they put, you know, environmentalists and, and all of a sudden you are getting an educational learning experience that puts you back as if you were on the TV show where they explored the 
you know, wildlife off the coast of Alaska. But there are lots of them going on today. I think Ford and GM partnering with Tesla and realizing that if you've got range anxiety, <laughs> you'll have worse range anxiety if you finally get to a charging place and the, 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 the plug doesn't fit in your car. So how do we partner with someone to deal with that range? And that's a small one. But every day, look at your business and say, how can we combine with somebody not to just, it's not about Nike being sold in a different store. It's to create something completely new, to, to make the experience far better than just this convenient to both buy the milk and the orange juice in the same case. Yeah. And, and I think this is where if you kind of look through the thread of everything we've just said over the last sort of 20 minutes, yeah, it would be, you know, understand your customers, get out of your office, right? right. Really go out there and meet with the people, partner and be innovative on ways in which you can bring your brand to the forefront for delight and wowing customers and, and understanding what they're really doing. But, but let me, as we, as we sort of start to wind this down, I'd love to hear lessons learned, like things you would say to marketers as you're, you know, discussing these eight lenses and really the, the seeing the how, what to watch out for. If there's sort of, you know, a couple of things of, you know what, I've talked to hundreds of companies right around the globe. And when I share this, these are two or three things I hear consistently to watch out for. One is just thinking you can ask a customer, how are we doing? And then they're going to tell you the answer. They'll probably say, fine. You know, and or they'll say, well, that's what everyone does, so it's okay. Uh, so part one is, yes, you want to be looking to the customer, but you have to go to the customer with some ideas. Well, what would happen if we did this? If you don't give them some stimulus or some, then you're just going to get, oh, you're fine. Because uh, no one wants to get bad news. And they don't even know how their life could be better until you give them some ideas. So part of it is looking at that customer intersection as not as, I'm going to go listen to and ask them some questions. But try to do less questioning and more observing and try to do something which puts an idea in front of them that gets them to think, oh, well, maybe I wouldn't just do this. You know, that's an interesting approach. So you have to push the customer a bit by having some catalyst to get them to stop looking in a rearview mirror. Don't assume that's going to require oodles of development. It could be the real simple thing for the, for the, for the smart person who's who said, wouldn't it be better for Amazon to show you a picture of the package on your front doorstep than sending you a text? Doesn't take a lot. You know, when you take your car into a dealer right now, rather than coming out and say you need new brakes and writing it down and showing you the list of things, you know, they show you a little video where they take you under your car, say, here are three things. All of a sudden, you trust them more. And it didn't take, if you ask consumers what they want in a better car experience, they would never have said, well, do you think you could take your iPhone under the car and show me exactly what's going on? They wouldn't suggest that. you got to go to them. Would you like to get a video showing you exactly, you know, that your brakes are really ready for repair? Because they can't see that, but you can. And if you're creative and re go with things back to where we started, Tiffany, with fresh eyes, if I were coming from Mars, how would I do car service? How would I do a cruise? How would I do an airplane flight? You would have a different ability to be an innovative leader as opposed to, I'm a really good marketer. Right, right. And what KPIs, you know, or metrics do you think are the ones that will really help marketers and or leaders get a better handle on this? And not because I think that KPIs are the end all be all. I'm not a fan. If you can't measure it, you can't manage it because there's lots of things we can't measure. And there's lots of things we can't manage that are super important. But just from a pure 
okay, we, I may work at a very metric driven organization. So I need Mm -hmm. to have sort of this kind of lens as well. Mm -hmm. What, what, if I said, you know what, I get this, hadn't thought about it that way. I really want to start to implement this in my team. What metrics could I put in place so we could track the progress? What, what would be the one or two that you think would be the most effective? You know, I, I, I think, you know, I, I'm a big fan of still this very old net promoter. No one promotes anything they don't really believe in. I just think it's harder to get people to tell you uh, you should shop for eyeglasses in a different place, you know, because there's no motivation. So the bar is higher. So I still think the metric is, can you get your customers to become advocates for you? And how many of your businesses are growing because your customers are out doing half your marketing job for you? And the, while incredibly hard, that is still the in a competitive world where you can't, there's no more sustainable competitive advantage. Having customers that have drank the Kool-Aid, I mean, you, you, you look at why Apple is succeeding. And yes, it could be that they have better pixels and, you know, but ultimately there are a couple of touch points that if you have a problem and you're a small business and you call Apple Care, they'll spend 30 minutes, 40 minutes with you on the phone. And, and you know, that's a soft thing that most people can't see. But they know that technology success is about solving your ability that you can't get emails on a Tuesday more than just, you know, having a better battery life. Absolutely. Well, with that, Alan, I just want to thank you so much for your great insights and for our listeners. Go pick up a copy of Seeing the How, Transforming What People Do Not Buy to Gain Market Advantage by my guest, uh, Alan Adamson. But where else can people keep in touch with you, follow your work, really just understand this experience innovation better? I write a column for Forbes. You can search me. I'm also a co-founder of Metaphors. We're a firm that's focused on helping companies grow by executing better. Amazing. All right, Alan. Well, thank you so much for joining us. Thank you, everybody, for joining us on this episode of What's Next. I'm your host, Tiffany Bova. Don't forget to subscribe. Tell your friends. You know, we all want advocates of the podcast, as Alan just said, right out there uh, sharing the love. But look forward to having you join me next time. Have a great day.